Hey guys, Sarah here from Talking Fanfic. Um, we'll keep it short. This is part two of my interview with Andrea Anderson, also known as Provocative Envy. Uh, it's only about an hour more of conversation, but uh, we, we have a ton of fun and we talk about motherhood and we talk about being a short fiction writer in a in a novelist world and uh, it's just uh it's it's a great conversation she was such a ball to have do remember summer slam starts on may 29th so if you're on tumblr follow andrea on tumblr at provocative underscore envy and do not miss summer slam 2021 it's uh i really am pushing for my dudley draco farmer filmmaker fic but there's going to be some fun ones so thank you again andrea um also my mother if mom's listening hi mom she listened to last week's episode and was like sarah where can i get my copy of light as a feather so andrea if you're listening um my mom is going to be reading your book oh also this is just a random plug but if you're a smallville fan out there um, I don't remember during my last two Smallville interviews if I ever plugged a podcast I listened to. Uh, our friend, if you're a Cobra Kai fan, you know the Cobra guys, Mikey and Jeremy. So they have another podcast called It's a Smallville After All. And they go through every episode. They're only in season two. So there's so much more. Um, but they go through and their commentary is hilarious. So anyway, Mikey and Jeremy, It's a Smallville After All. Um, you should listen and then you should join the Facebook group because um, like, I'm sort of one of the only people that post there, although I haven't posted in a while. So we need to get some action going. It's a ridiculous show, but I love it. Oh, and one last thing while I got your ear. Um, Fanfic Maverick, the Fanfic Maverick podcast, who um, is hosted by Chaos Blue, my buddy Beth. Um, we've got like a cool project in the works. So just uh, keep an eye out here and then subscribe to her podcast as well. Um, she is uh, even more prolific than my once every month or two episode. Um, and she does all kinds of fandoms and she's awesome. So subscribe to her, but also keep an eye out for a collab that we're working on. Um, not, not real soon, but in the next um, couple of months. Um, it's going to be really cool. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out. All right, guys, uh, have fun with this interview. I certainly did. Do you, um, I know you, you have kids, is that correct? Yep. Have you done a lot of your more like professional writing career as also being a mother? And yeah. does that add, does it always make it more difficult or does it also give, I assume it also gives you a lot more material probably. <laughs> so my first pregnancy was an accident. Uh, I was 23. I was 23. And, um, you know, I was just out of college and I was just starting to sort of, you know, try to figure out like what I, you know, was I going to take writing seriously or was I not? And um, I actually stopped writing. Uh, I had like crazy brain fog during my first pregnancy. So like the last 
half of it I like could not write and then you know I didn't know anything about babies so then I had like (laughs) (laughs) another six months probably of just being too tired and um so ironically that big long break of nothing sort of was like a like a restart Mm -hmm. I think and you know I was obviously older by that point, so I had more of a perspective on <laughs> on um, the the types of writing I wanted to do and the types of stories that I was interested in telling. And like, you know, I figured out pretty quickly. Like, I probably I like writing coming of age stories a lot. Yeah. Those are themes that I like, and I especially like you know unconventional coming of age stories like you know, 25 year old, <laughs> call it a high school dropout. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause you know, not everybody, you know, comes of age at 18. Like, yeah. So, I mean, now my kids are uh, seven and five, uh, almost five. So I, I would say I have a little more time to myself now, but it was really like finding time to write for the for a couple of years was pretty difficult like yeah. my husband my husband was has always been really helpful with that so you know he'll take them for a little bit here and he would take them for a little bit here and there but as far as like creatively um <sighs> I definitely I think have more of a handle on you know the complexities of motherhood and like resentment and how those things can kind of play together like it was hard for me in light as a feather because I was I was a little more sympathetic to Ainsley's mom than Ainsley herself was yes and that was because obviously like I had this whole you know backstory for her yes (laughs) like you know Ainsley didn't know any of it and I tried to sort of be creative about you know interjecting that in places and I think Ainsley sort of got the gist of it by the end like it was or maybe not the specifics like there was you know more to it than just you know abandonment or whatever but kids are it's a I think it's a complicated relationship like with yourself when you become a mom because suddenly your life is like 30% yours and 60% someone else's. And as far as like writing about that kind of mentality goes, it's, it's certainly made like themes about, you know, sacrifice and, you know, personal, like, that's not the word I'm looking for. Um, Like you sort of put parts of yourself aside and it's, you don't, you don't necessarily resent it in the moment, but you maybe do later, you know? Yeah. So in that regard, it, you know, I think when I write like parental figures and YA now, it makes me a little more sympathetic. It maybe gives them a little, a little more layering as far as characteristics go, because, you know, when I was a teenager, like I definitely, (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, like, I was, I was like a shithead. I have no idea <laughs> how my, uh, my parents, <laughs> like, like thinking back on it, their expressions of just like constant, tired, <laughs> just disbelief. Like, yeah, I get it now. <laughs> like, yeah, like my, my I, oh, sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, my seven-year-old is finally at at an age where he's starting to sort of like build more autonomy and have more you know awareness of not being attached to me all the time and it's like (laughs) once in a while he'll say something and it's like oh okay (laughs) sure (laughs) do you um and i feel like um i'm at a disadvantage in in that way that I actually really am interested in themes of um, parenthood and what you pass on your kids and seeing yourself in your kids. But I'm only able to authentically do that really from the, the position of a kid yeah. and, and seeing my mother or yeah. my father and me or what they gave me. So I don't have yeah. that sort of next step. But um, I imagine that's sort of uh, fun and just, a, yeah, a different perspective and seeing something that you made <laughs> – <laughs> like karma or um my sister-in-law i have a niece and a nephew and i do talk to my sister-in-law about that and she's like her her daughter my niece is just she's like yeah but i mean she was a difficult kid to like get to sleep she's got a very strong personality yeah. and she's like oh it's karma <laughs> yeah mate i've been pretty lucky i think comparatively my my kids are very um <laughs> they're pretty calm generally you know i mean they sometimes get out of control but they for the most part have always been really attached to me yeah. and like they like to listen to me and they like to be helpful to me so it's you know it's I've, i'm pretty lucky in that respect but yeah <laughs> it's as a person who can admit that i was pretty self-absorbed for most of my my adolescence and my youth and all of that like it's it was jarring you know to realize like how and it's not even necessarily like a conscious choice like it's like okay these tiny helpless infants are there and you know you want to take care of them and it's 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 a jarring departure I think for a lot of people like I didn't dream of like becoming a mom, you know, that wasn't really like a, like a goal of mine. I wasn't sure I wanted kids. And then I was given, and then I like had this kid. (laughs) Yeah. So in that respect, it was really, uh, it, it, it was a jarring, you know, life change. Like it was a big adjustment for me. And so, so often in fiction, the, like motherhood specifically or young motherhood maybe although I wasn't really I guess that young um it's depicted as this sort of uh like this negative thing I think and I think it's just more complicated than that you know like you can you can you know love your children and still at the same time sort of sometimes be like, uh, I would like to do something else right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's not, yeah. and I think there's like a lot of guilt 
you know, associated oh, with yeah. that. I think like tons of people maybe don't want to ever admit that. And like, I love my children. They, uh, you know, I spend most of my time, you know, taking care of them and doing things with them. But, you know, every once in a while, it's like, <laughs> we won't say the word resentment, yeah. but yeah. no. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a really specific type of it is resentment but it's like a really specific low level like wistful maybe is the right word for it yeah and if anything I think that is probably the thing about like motherhood and becoming a mom that I've you know taken to heart you can mind that yeah in your writing probably yeah I, I have a pretty complicated relationship with my with my mother and my family in general but like it's that it's really there's just so many layers to it and like in Harry Potter JK Rowling like motherhood was such an enormous theme yeah like these martyr type of this martyrhood of of moms like this coalition of them it was like everybody had one yeah it's like and i just like yes obviously you know i think for the most part when you are an sociopath like you love your children you yes want to do everything for them but there is a more realistic sort of mundane part of that where yeah you just you know, they, they're an extension of you and they need you for everything. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that angle of it is definitely, I mean, that's not like the fluffy fun angle, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like every time I read kid fic, I just like, hmm. This is it. <laughs> you have a nephew or something, right? <laughs> They're so cute, and you just hand them back at the end of your babysitting two-hour babysitting session, and yeah. go have fun. <laughs> if anything, the fix about where it's like, you know, a babysitter or something. Those are yeah. more fun for me because it's like the dream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as like writing life balance, it's, I mean, I am regularly kind of surprised I manage to write as much as I do. Like when I look at it, because it's, I feel like I never have time to write. Um, and by the end of the day, I'm usually too tired to write. So I can't even be one of those people that's like, Oh, the kids are in bed. Time to, <laughs> time I know, to so. write. Like, no. The kids are in bed. It is time to <laughs> time to lay down and stare. <laughs> Feeling. Do you um I always find and I literally um it's I sound so privileged. I have a boyfriend and a cat. Um those are my <laughs> obligations. Very different from my husband and children. Um <laughs> But it just as a writer, do you find um, – do they help you – one, do they sort of help you keep yourself grounded and do you find it difficult? Like sometimes I feel like I really have to check myself and like 
wow, I'm really in La La Land and I haven't seen my boyfriend all day. He's been at work and he he maybe wants to spend some like actual time with me instead of me yeah. sitting on the couch like yeah. dreaming about fan fiction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you find it difficult to like the work – because there is some work involved in writing and just imagining things, being in your head a little bit. Um, but is that uh, something you have to work at to like – between being the writer you want to be and being kind of the family member you want to be. I mean, yeah, I think prioritization, like I don't prioritize writing over my, um, you know, my relationships with my children or my husband. Like I, it's writing as much as I enjoy doing it. And as, you know, as much as I have aspirations for, you know, doing it more professionally, it's, it's not like I, I have consciously, you know, made choice, made the choice to not put it first. Um, yeah. like right now, like, uh, obviously when my younger son like starts school, I'll obviously like be alone for, so like in that respect like maybe that's i'll be able to do more or or, you know treat it more seriously but yeah it's it is it's a conscious choice i think especially when so much of writing is like not necessarily writing it's you know i use the word marinate a lot yeah (laughs) it is like that so uh yeah i've i've gotten kind of creative about that like you know we go hiking man i used to do so much more stuff but a year of pandemic yeah (laughs) i know have you guys been kind of um confined to the house i guess the kids you know their school's probably canceled for a while and that meant i live in washington uh i live where patient zero in the oh, United shit. States was <laughs> I live literally 10 minutes from that hospital or 20 minutes from that hospital um Evergreen Hospital in Kirkland which was like the first United States hospital to really be like overwhelmed and there were tons of articles about it yeah. back in, last year that's where my kids were born um shit <laughs> so yeah for I mean my husband is now permanently working from home his company isn't back in their office uh we i mean we've started going out more over the past like month or so but it's (laughs) yeah at some point it started becoming like habit to not go anywhere (laughs) i know that's what this year did to me too consciously hold on i'm I think I might get a white claw. It feels it's it's yeah, it's it's totally a normal time for that. Um, and we take a break and Andrea gets a white claw and I think I refill my drink as well. Can you tell me anything kind of briefly about the process of deciding that you wanted to pursue writing professionally and then doing it, like finding an agent or a publisher or anything in that kind of area? Uh so, um, when I probably, so when I was younger, like writing 
fan fiction, one of the first questions you get when you get any kind of like real readership is like, oh, do you write original things too? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I was in, I was like 18 or 19 and I was like, no. And <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, the transition between writing fan fiction and writing original fiction, it can be really hard. So I sort of like half-heartedly, you know, made attempts. Yeah. <laughs> and I I actually started with with short stories which looking back, I mean they were okay. They're probably not that good, but I wrote like some short stories and then uh I kind of didn't really let, like I got super into rare pairs. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it was like so. There actually are still, I think, I have some drafts, like unfinished drafts of uh, novels I tried to write over the over the years, and I didn't like writing professionally. It wasn't really. <sighs> I think it's really important for people to to know what they want out of like professional writing, you know. Like I'm a I'm a stay at home mom. I'm my my husband has a has a really good job. I don't really need to think about like working really if I don't want to. You know if that's not something I really want to do. Yeah. You know like I can just be a mom for a lot longer, and it's so I don't have that sort of that sort of pressure on me on myself, uh, which. I think gives me the privilege to sort of look at it more objectively. And, you know, so for some people it's, they want like the recognition, you know, they want the professional like sort of shine of that, you know, like I am, you know, sharing this. It's, you know, it's worthwhile. All of that. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's, like, I don't know. I don't, want to be famous or anything like that I don't think I'd like that yeah (laughs) I don't think I'd enjoy uh being one of those writers that has like a big like Twitter following or something I don't I just I don't know I, I I think it's important to sort of think about these things and there's a real possibility that in you know a couple of years I'm like i stop trying to write a novel or stop trying to get an agent or stop trying to do those things and just kind of do what I'm doing now, which is like, yeah, I'll submit short fiction to journals and stuff like that. And like, that's, you know, satisfying for me creatively. I think it, you know, the industry aspect of writing is daunting and it's like 80% about luck anyway. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, so it can be really frustrating and really discouraging and if you're like for me I I don't take rejection that harshly like I don't I'm not that sensitive to it so that aspect of it isn't that isn't really part of it for me it's mostly do I really want to do like do I really want it that badly yeah (laughs) you know because I love writing. I do. I'm good at it and I like it and I like getting better at it. And, you know, there is such a, 
a difference between how I approach short fiction, for example, and how I approach, you know, writing novels. And one of those things is a lot more fun for me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, maybe in a few years I, but at the same time, it is a lot, it's obviously much more difficult, if not almost impossible to, you know, become a professional writer solely writing short fiction. Right. The market is just novels, probably. Like you have to get, like, if you have to get really lucky to get a novel published, you have to get extraordinarily, exorbitantly, almost impossibly lucky to gain any kind of real traction writing short fiction. Yeah. And so in that regard, that's, that's one of the things that has kept me like, okay, another novel, like, you know, kind of in the background of everything else that I do. And everybody thinks like, oh, I want to, you know, become a writer, that means, you know, you want to write novels or you want to write, like, especially in fan fiction communities, it's you want to write, like, YA novels or you want to write romance novels. And I actually, this is going to, this is going to be shocking. I do not enjoy writing romance. (laughs) (laughs) There's, people haven't really, like, commented on it but like a lot of the a lot of the fic that I've put out over the past few years it's it's been less you know overtly overtly sexual or overtly romantic it's it's a lot I like character dynamics so yeah and you know typically that's read into in a romantic way so you know fan fiction is still you know something I enjoy doing but I don't like I don't enjoy I like reading romance novels. I just I keep every time I try to write like a long romance, it's just like I keep wanting something else to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's not that's a personal quirk, you know. I think like in fan fiction it's typically about the characters, you know. It's people really love these two characters together or they want them to be together. And so when you have that focal point of it and that pre-established connection to wanting them together, it's, I think, easier to, to write, to focus on. For me, when I write, like, original romance, for example, I it's, it's harder because you know, these characters aren't, like, even if I think I know them really well, maybe I don't, I want to explore other parts of that. Maybe I don't care if they end up with that person. It's, it's just, it has to be, it feels like, you know, finding gold or something, like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. So, yeah, back, back to what I was getting at. I think everybody's motivation for wanting to write professionally is going to be different. And I think figuring out what your motivation for wanting to do it is, is really important. Like, yeah, you know, I, I go back and forth sometimes actually like, uh, do I actually want to do that? Because it's, it does, it is, it's work, you know, it's a job, it's work. It's, it's all of those things. And it's, a commitment I think to doing that all of the time and if you start with a novel it's like do I really want to go write novels all the time and I'm sort of you know some days I'm like yeah you know I just have to get better at it and then other days I'm like 
<laughs> like, no. So I am perhaps not a great authority on <laughs> on when did yeah. I know I wanted to write professionally? Because, like, I just there's so many types of writing, you know, and yeah. Everybody defaults to I want to. That means I'm going to be a novelist, and it's maybe it's maybe you aren't going to be a novelist, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. It's something I hadn't thought. I mean, I'd thought about the differences between process of writing a novel and writing short stories, but the fact that the market's kind of biased toward novels. Um, yeah, and I know why the market is biased towards novels. Like, I get it. They're more right. People want a journey. Or- yeah. Yeah, exactly. And fandom is actually has actually become a really integral part of book publishing anyway. Like they want fandom. They want that excitement in large groups. Yeah. So, you know, people connect with like in YA specifically, you know, people connect with series. They connect with they connect with these longer books that with large ensemble casts, it's. And I did, I did just write a book with an ensemble cast, and uh, it could. Is this your latest project? Yeah, and it's it was supposed to be a series, but I just this was actually what had me thinking about like why am I doing this? What do I want out of it? (laughs) (laughs) I was outlining, you know, I was outlining the sequel, and I was like, I was just sitting there thinking about how insane it was that. I wrote this whole book. It's 110,000 words and it needs a sequel to like, <laughs> like I just, it was just, I had like a big, <laughs> like it made my brain melt a little bit. I was just like, <laughs> why am I doing this? <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> so I, that's actually a project that I'm, that I've shelved for now that I'm going to, I'm going to work on probably later in the summer and add a little to it to make it, I mean, it should, like, I don't know. I don't think series are for me. Yeah. Because <laughs> the idea of of going back and writing another hundred thousand words with these same characters. Because you need, you need like an arc and, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, you know, the realism of it is that maybe one novel makes sense, but to have... It's like anything with the sequel. It's like, oh, is the world in danger again? Or is yeah, no, there has the stakes. Like you have to, they have to keep getting progressively higher, and it's it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, the audience kind of has to be in it with you. And, um, and on- I mean, I, I suppose that's the sort of the fun of it is that the audience suspends their disbelief and yeah. let's go on another Sherlock Holmes adventure. He has another crazy. Yeah. To be fair to me, this particular story is just really weird. It's a really weird book. It's a really weird story. It's a really weird. Is this the title you mentioned earlier? Splintered. Splintered. It's a zombie story, but it's not a zombie story. And <laughs> <laughs> I can't really say much more than that because mm. people I, I am going to like you know put it out there at like some point this year so people yeah. will read it and you cool. know spoilers and all of that and but it's like I did I tr- I wrote a query letter and then never sent it to anybody because I was like sitting there really struggling to <laughs> you know 
sort of summarize what happens without it's just it's it's a really weird story and i think it's maybe going to be one of those things that like this is fine this is good i liked it a lot but like there maybe isn't like a broader audience for it um which okay so that's novel number three technically a two and a half i don't count the first one (laughs) yeah (laughs) and anyway so I'm actually, my next project after I finish what I'm working on right now is going to be a a new adult novel because I have decided to branch out a little bit. I'm hoping maybe that sparks a little more joy. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah. I think, um, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, the pandemic in relation to like sort of all of us, um, I wonder how that sort of played into or will play into like, um, I don't know, writing or enthusiasm for new projects or, or yeah. will coming out of the pandemic like contribute to that? Or was it a good thing that we had the pandemic mm-hmm. to kind of make us concentrating on stuff? I don't know. It sort of makes me think about how that influenced things. Yeah. I had a big burnout uh, at the end, towards the end of last summer. Like I took several months off from writing. Just I, I forgot. Didn't they call it something? Like there's like this pandemic. Um. Oh. It's like I was just tired of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Besides, I'm sure there was a word, but I don't know what to call it. So it's like a burnout or a. Yeah, it was like a burnout. It was just really, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, I came back from that and, you know, finished the last, like, 50,000 words of that novel in, like, three months. Which yeah. Does that include editing and stuff? Or when you think about how long it takes you to write something, are you thinking of, like, first draft? I'm just curious. Um. Yeah, my my process is, like I, like I said, I edit as I go, typically. Yeah. So I'll write a chapter and then I will edit it and then I will move on. So it's already, it's already like the smoothing out process has already started. Right. But um, the first draft of stuff that long is usually always, it almost always, it it has happened now all three times I've written a novel. I've finished the novel and then deleted the first chapter. (laughs) Which I, I, I wonder if that's kind of common because, you know, you're starting to write and it's the voice may change a little bit, like as you get more comfortable and settle in. Yeah. So I, I almost always like the first chapter is a throwaway. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just just thinking of that real fast and light as a feather, oh. the first chapter is actually from um, Killian's point of view, if I'm correct there. Oh, you are not correct. Oh, I'm not correct. Okay. It's just a, um, oh. Okay, it's, I'm it's, just it's, thinking. You're supposed to. You're supposed to think it's from Killian's point of view, but there's there's like a lot. There's more to it than that. Okay, and cool. I actually, you know what? Some people didn't catch that. They just assumed it was him. And I did reread the whole thing, and there was only like one hint about who it actually was. So yeah. like, that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it doesn't matter that much. Like. It doesn't change very much from the story, I guess. Right. Except it just it gives it just adds another layer of like 
motive for right i mean to me if it's like yes your a plot is um ainsley <laughs> kind of going through this mystery and uh her yeah. relationship with nate and mason and stuff but i did appreciate that that first chapter really mm-hmm. if you're paying attention it should be in the back of your mind like okay there's something else going on here yeah. um did you add that later then or no did- that was that was the first part i wrote oh and i love that like i said light of father was originally it was supposed to be a short story right. uh, <laughs> um and it was supposed to be a, like a back and forth between the two time the two time periods mm, that's interesting and uh <laughs> in that outline yeah it was Nate and Ainsley were like secretly dating. There was like a whole, it was a whole different thing. Yeah. I do read a lot of tension in in them. And I think secretly I like, like ship them together a little bit. I'm like, cause I love Nate so much. So it's it's interesting that that maybe was like an undercurrent of something. Yeah. I tried pretty hard to to, uh, get rid of most of that. (laughs) By the end of the book, it's pretty, it's pretty like, you know, familial yeah but i think definitely some stuff snuck in in the beginning and that actually brings me i have like the first five chapters of a of a novel that i never continued because (laughs) specifically because the two main characters were supposed to be like long lost like twins like separated at birth and then adopted out and then they meet in the first chapter, and it's just like, no matter what I did, the vibes were just bad. <laughs> it's so funny because in Light as a Feather, there's a um, either Mason or Ainsley makes that um, flowers in the attic joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was that, and I thought, yeah, I kept that in because I did think it was. It's like the thing about that age bracket is that it's almost impossible to, like describe anybody without making it kind of weird yeah (laughs) like implying things and like they're not related so like it's fine (laughs) he's he's just some dude at the airport (laughs) yeah oh i love him so much (laughs) (laughs) i should write some nate fan fiction (laughs) yes some other people have also like they love nate and i get it nate was great There's, there's there's something about like genuinely sincerely wholesome characters, you know, <laughs> like they're just like like you get what you see <laughs> or you see what you get. Yeah, yeah. There's something I think reflected in that. I, sorry, I'm kind of backpedaling, but I want to keep it too long. But um, this the, kind of the setting of like Nate as I think from Kentucky or at least the South, um, yeah, as opposed to Ainsley from the West Coast in Southern California, which there's like a me from the Midwest, we always think of like Southern California as like kind of like uh, culturally maybe what people are aiming for, but it also seems a little bit like those people must be fake or something, you know? Yeah. And like, and also, did you have any experience with, like with the South or Southern culture? So, I uh, I was a tennis player when I was when I was younger, and I was I was very competitive, and I. Uh, I went to a tennis academy in East Texas, uh, in New Braunfels. Oh yeah, I know New Braunfels. <laughs> Schlitterbahn. Yeah, I had an aunt. Uh, she passed, but I had an aunt live down there. And then I, um, yeah, I'm more familiar with San Antonio kind of area. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and I lived there off and on for like 
two and a half years as a teenager. And uh, I traveled around a lot in the South, like playing tournaments because I was already there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my best friend in high school, she went to college in Kentucky and uh, I visited her there a couple of times and it was just like, <laughs> it, it's a really specific type of uh, South, like Southern area. Like I wouldn't say like Kentucky is very much like Louisiana, for right. example, or, you know, and one of my main takeaways from Kentucky was that they really enjoyed adding alcohol to the slushies at Sonic. <laughs> a big that was a big thing I also love the scene in uh, when Ainsley and Annabelle go to Lexington to go shopping there's a little comment about how the shopping center is trying really hard to I think be like North Hollywood yeah (laughs) which I know like exactly the type of shopping mall you're talking about just really really hard (laughs) that forced eclectic <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, I actually like Kentucky. So Yes. <laughs> I did like Kentucky. Yeah, it doesn't come off as negative in the story at all. And I I felt like I thought she's gotta have some experience and I'm not familiar with the South at all actually. Just yeah. <laughs> I'm just such a Midwestern kid, but um so if it felt authentic to me, so that doesn't surprise me that you've been there. I like the South, um, a lot actually. <laughs> Which I write I write some. St- I write a lot of stuff that sort of like sometimes goes there. I wouldn't say like Southern Gothic exactly, but like yeah. I like teenage years are really formative, just like in general. And I spent a lot of time in like traveling around there when I was a teenager. So I think I just sort of naturally gravitate towards there. But like again, you know, I had positive experiences in the South in general, so I just kind of like it. Yeah. I think it's an interesting place for a ghost story, too, just because normally you get ghost stories like kind of in the uh, Northeast, like Connecticut, kind of that Blair Witch feel. But I do feel like there's an undercurrent, obviously, of like um, history and racism and uh, horror and, you know, just everything running right below the surface of this like pretty kind of like like Annabelle as a character. um, I don't know. There's a bit of a polish uh to the south yeah so it works so ainsley's biracial and you know i'm i'm white so that oh hold on one sec my oh, dog you're good. <laughs> hey what do you need i'm so surprised daniel pickles hasn't been in here yet he's must be enjoying outside uh, okay he's he's <laughs> I think like FedEx was here or something, and my dog is alert, alert. <laughs> <laughs> he like thinks he's a guard dog, yeah. <laughs> and I, he's like you know he's a corgi. He's kind of like sausage shaped, and he has these really big ears. And it's like you are not gonna scare anyone. <laughs> Calm down. I love that. Um, but I. Uh, yeah, Ainsley was Ainsley's biracial, and that I mean, like I said, I'm white. That isn't like necessarily a topic I am qualified to explore in any detail, so I didn't really. But like you know, I tried to be mindful of how much of an outsider she would feel. Yeah, just in general, in this like small, mostly white town, and 
that probably exacerbated her her uh <laughs> she was just angry okay yeah. <laughs> her prickliness yeah yeah um the way that people can access your work is it mostly just right through your website yes yeah cool. there's links to everything there except ao3 yes <laughs> which is on tumblr Yes, follow Andrea on Tumblr. Um, go to her AO3 page. Read the the Harry Potter AU stuff. It's hysterical. But really, um, the original fiction was such a treat for me because I, um, I don't know. I didn't really go looking for it until I read your AU stuff and and Light as a Feather. Is, I read. Um, there's a couple of short form stuff like your fairy tale stuff in there. I think there was a horror one that I read, which is really fun. It's like a flash fiction stuff. But mm-hmm. Light as a Feather has been really fun for me, and you can download it. And um, also, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but unless this was like a special thing, but um, you can sort of download it for free, but it lets you kind of, I think, pay as you go. Or is there a set fee for like downloading Light as a Feather? No, you can read. I have, I think, the first chapter up on my website, maybe. I think I have the first, maybe the first three chapters something like that and then it's just it's five bucks for the whole thing to download it's just crazy cheap and if you yeah if you've got like an ipad yeah. you can put it on the, the your little mm-hmm. book feature and yeah. that's how i've been reading it's awesome yeah it's it's optimized for kindle too um yeah it's like i said there's already there's a short i post short stories they're all free to read but uh there's a nate prequel short i know story, i haven't actually. written the nate or the oxana one just because i want <laughs> to finish super, first the oxana one isn't isn't published yet oh, okay uh, but that's coming soon uh and then yeah i'm gonna bundle all those together for oh, fun. Ease of ease of download the oxana one is really is really interesting um <laughs> i loved writing her <laughs> <laughs> she's fun do you um just real quick do you have any like russian background or it felt like really like my, either well researched my, fr- my best friend in high school who the one who went to college in kentucky is oh, from russia ah perfect <laughs> i grew up surrounded by russians <laughs> like her family would visit all the time and yeah so there's a lot of i'm just familiar with russian <laughs> yeah i yeah i love watching mason as like a second generation um, just like deal with his mother and like, mom, ugh, why would you say that? <laughs> and the, yeah, devolving into Russian with his bad accent. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but yeah, read Light as a Feather because it's like the perfect summer. I mean, it's a ghost story. Like, it's like so entertaining and fun. And Ainsley, as we said, is prickly, but you, she's such a strong character and she, she's fun. I loved being in her head and, uh, yeah, I look forward to finishing it. So <laughs> yeah. I'll have a link on all that on the show notes. But um, well, I I don't want to take up your whole day, but I figure I have like a I meant to write a top ten, but I've only got like eight <laughs> like rapid answer questions that I was yeah. writing down. But then maybe something fun at the end. But um, uh, yeah. okay. So if you don't mind, here's my rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Um, who is your favorite Harry Potter canon character? canon character yeah just anybody from and it can be like minor or actually the second one is about your favorite minor character so maybe more major character my favorite canon character uh probably draco malfoy kind of got it (laughs) like he's the most fun yeah um 
And who's your favorite minor character from Harry Potter canon? <laughs> Scapior! Yeah. And actually, sorry, deviation real fast. I just want to read because it's going to make us giggle. Um, I started to list every time I ran into time that Scabior in the in your fake over under. Every time he calls Draco a nickname, I like wrote it down. So I'm just gonna like read. Oh man, he went through them. Oh, it's I had so a whole list. funny. Uh, and then maybe you can tell me like if you have a favorite one or or if one stands uh-huh. out. Um, so right off the bat, when they meet, um, Draco introduces himself as Malfoy, Draco Malfoy. So that is like a recurring little in joke for them. Um, but little Debbie, <laughs> this is so fun. Um, which is I'm sorry, I just have to. Oh fuck, hold on. I'm just not good at keeping things short at all. This is supposed to be one question. <laughs> but the uh, he calls him Little Debbie, and then um, Scabier says, uh, tossing his hair, you remind me of, like, those tiny, adorable cakes. Yeah, with the vanilla <laughs> frosting and the sprinkles. <laughs> Draco says, I'm six foot three. Uh, and then Scabier says, so maybe offended. physically. So offended. So the little Debbie thing is hysterical. Um, Buttercup. It's another one. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe my favorite, uh, very pale flamingo. <laughs> um, Daisy chain. Pollyanna. Sweetheart, of course. Uh, Aquafresh. I assume is like the smile, like his <laughs> teeth. Man, they're so good, Andrea. Uh, this is all, by the way, from the first chapter. This isn't even like the whole thing. Uh, yeah, Susanna, no. baby, Nancy Drew. <laughs> they're all like very like either emasculating or uh, infantilizing. Just laying it all out like that. Uh, the last couple in that chapter are Susie Q uh, and. Yvonne Drago from the Rocky movie. <laughs> I assume because of the Aryan complexion. Yeah, the the, the blonde. Oh hair my god! So that's yeah. just like there's one every like few yeah. lines, and it's hysterical. Yeah, Scabior and the nicknames. <laughs> yep. So her fa- so Andrew's favorite minor character is uh, Scabior, and uh, which you might not expect, but that's why you have to read over under uh, yeah. is really. Um, you kind of already said this, but your favorite writing process, um, planning, actually writing or editing? Uh, I like editing. Yeah. Is it because you can like <laughs> see things come together as in a more, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, smoothing out, uh, like a wrinkled sheet or something. It's very satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also just real quick question, because I always think of things, um, before you actually, I know you said you edit as you go, but do you, um, yeah. do you ever let things sit for a while before you come back to purposefully edit them? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm struggling with that because I'm, I've been in, in my little Smallville uh, long form project. I've been mm-hmm. so in it and I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. I just need to put it down for a second. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you need to, you need to step back and then when you come back, it's going to look very different. Uh, like that separation, you know, is yeah. really, it's, I think it's important. Like when I finish a novel, I usually don't look at it for a few weeks yeah. before I go back to start editing it. Like I just, okay, this is done. And then I 
Is that easy because you're so sick of it? Or is that hard because you're like, I just got to fix. So the sick of it, the sick of it aspect is usually like it kind of vanishes a little once you get to the very, very end. Because then you're just like so excited to be done. Like you're so excited. Like it's finally here. But you do get very sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I get very sick of it. Yeah. Like around like the last, like right before like the climax, maybe it's just really like, I'm tired of these people. I'm tired (laughs) of this place. (laughs) And I think that's normal probably. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're so in it all the time. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite? I don't know if this would be like during or while reading. I don't know what this question is, Um, but do you have a favorite writing beverage? Like, do you, have a cup of coffee or like some alcohol? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I usually drink like a monster before I write. Uh, (laughs) Are you writing in the morning or at night or does it vary? That's the thing. I write in the morning. Mm. So it's either I drink like tons of coffee or uh, I drink like a monster. Uh, sometimes like in the summer, see, it depends on like the vibes, you know, vibes are very important to writing Mm -hmm. and like, (laughs) like in the summer, you know, like I'll have a drink like in the late afternoon and probably get some like decent writing done. But like in the winter when it's cold and dark, yeah, (laughs) it's just like, you know, I need the. I don't, I'm trying to say upper without saying upper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I need, like, the that elevation, you know, of energy and mood. Yeah. Do you have, like, a UV light that you stick your face in front of? <laughs> okay. In all seriousness, I, like, for, like, years now, every winter, I'm like, I should just get one of those lights, you know, those lamps, those special lamps for people with seasonal <laughs> affective disorder. And then I I go and I look at them and I'm like, they're so ugly. (laughs) Where am I going to put this? (laughs) Like, it looks like you're like growing pot, but like you're not. Yeah. (laughs) Where do you put that so that it's effective? (laughs) (laughs) The key word there. Never. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you could just like hide it like in your closet or like your bathroom (laughs) or something. But like, then I'd have to go in the bathroom and like sit there. What? (laughs) <laughs> doing that. That's a good that. question. Do you have it on your desk while you're writing, yeah. or do you have it like near the yeah. toilet so that you can just sit yeah. on the shitter and just like? Yes, exactly. No, like, do you just like go in there and close the door? <laughs> oh my turn god! On your, turn on your fake sun. Like, it's just I don't know. Oh man. Well, well, I'll. I haven't got one either, but if I figure it out, I'll let you yeah. know. Yeah. Like, um this this next question seems a little messed up in because because the characters are younger and maybe as the author they're like your children but i wrote down um fuck mary kill uh nate mason killian is that weird you don't have to answer that that's so mean um so Oh man, I had a reader who was like really into Killian Ainsley. Mm-hmm. Like, 
really into Killian Ainsley. It's a, it's a bit sexy, if no, I may it, say. It, it, it's worse towards the end, actually. <laughs> or better, depending on your depending on how you feel about it. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, like, even though I did sort of intend for that undercurrent to be there, I... Uh, okay, so... You've got to, yeah, you've, you've got to fuck Killian. Just seems like yeah, he's been around. <laughs> Retains knowledge. <laughs> Nate's a virgin, so. <laughs> so we're not. Um, and then I think, like, me personally, like, yeah, I'd, I'd probably marry Nate. So, like, I guess Mason is. <laughs> <laughs> we I mean, love Mason. I feel like I'm a bit in the same I boat. Love- is i love mason too he was like supportive like soccer dad but like the boyfriend (laughs) yeah and and hot as well like it's not like he's like some vanilla guy like he's kind of like this edgy sort of the piercings and the tattoos but be like a great husband so great (laughs) so great like he was born to be a husband (laughs) Just, I love in the in the beginning, uh, Ainsley's uh, commenting on how he how safe he drives. <laughs> That's kind of an insult. <laughs> like he leaves three yeah. car lengths behind. Yeah. And then she like tells his dad, like, "Oh yeah, he's a really safe driver. Like that's some sort of like." <laughs> Do you know how boring your kid is? <laughs> I loved that little kitchen scene between Paul and Ainsley. That yeah. that was so fun. Yeah, is yeah. he is he smothering you yet? <laughs> he knows his son. <laughs> um, next question. Um, and this could be a published author or fanfic author, whatever, or both. Um, name a writer that makes you want to write better or who inspires you. That's a that's a tough one. I know. I haven't given you these ahead of time either to think about. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about that. Uh, you know what? I write a lot of I write a lot of genre fiction generally, so I'm gonna say uh, Terry Pratchett. Mm. I haven't read enough of Terry Pratchett. I need to read more Terry Pratchett. I read a ton of Terry Pratchett when I was younger, and then I like drifted away from from fantasy more generally. And then when I went back to it a couple of years ago, I was just so taken aback by how pretty it was. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I'm i a big aesthetic writer. Yeah, me too, I think. <laughs> I like when things are pretty. I like when things are uh, pleasing. Yeah. You you like alliteration, I would guess. Yeah, I love alliteration. <laughs> I like – yeah, it's really um, – And, I, I and visual and – yeah. I'm a really visual descriptor. So, yeah, definitely – he managed to um, to put a lot of world building into this pretty package that wasn't like particularly clinical. Like there wasn't a lot of you know distant distance in it. It was it's really yeah yeah. I'll have to check out some Terry Pratchett. Then I know I've read some, or at least I've read. Did he? I know he, Neil Gaiman, obviously did Good Omens. I don't know if that's the only thing they collaborated on, but I think I've read a bit of that. But, yeah, I need to read some Terry Pratchett. Neil Gaiman would be another one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just making that, like, 
level of like world building because that's what it was it wasn't just plot it was like world building and they they did it so uh deftly (laughs) are they all um i know fantasy tends to be longer like novel length are they all kind of novel length stuff or is there really long yeah Yeah. so you are an aspiring novelist andrea you're meant (laughs) to be a novelist (laughs) (laughs) um let's see what are you what are you currently reading or or maybe a recent thing that's great that you've read so I read a lot of historical fiction, which is <laughs> probably not what people would guess. Yeah. Um, I read, like, a lot of historical fiction. Right now I'm reading a Kate Quinn. It's about the Borgias. Or specifically, it's about uh, Alex Borgias, the Pope's, uh, like, teenage mistress, Julia. Ooh. Yeah, it's called. Hold on, let me pull it up because I never pay attention to titles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like, I know the author's name. <laughs> totally normal behavior. <laughs> it is <gasps> the serpent and the pearl. Ooh, you know, I remember seeing that in a bookstore. There's a. Yeah, there's a second one too. It's like a duology. It's really good. She has a really like impressive like so much with historical fiction is about voice, you know, like yeah. it can sound absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> if it's not, you know, done correctly. Yeah. She's, Kate Quinn's really good, yeah. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. do you have a current obsession as far as like um T V or movies or fandom? Uh Right now, we are finally watching Ozark. Yeah. <laughs> I know, you, know you're, you said you were from Kansas City, right? I know. The Ozarks aren't far. Um, I actually – I need to give that one another chance because I did watch a few episodes and I think my little optimistic nice self was like, there's no good pe- – like um, – <laughs> <laughs> like I got through Breaking Bad because of Jesse, I think. I, but it I was hated Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh, it was. It's just like the characters Ozark are so me. unlikable. <laughs> so yeah, no, Ozark is definitely like Breaking Bad. I literally could not get through. Like we watched like the whole first season, and yeah. I was like, this has to get better, right? Yeah. And then it got worse. <laughs> <laughs> so I never finished Breaking Bad. I actually. Yeah, I think I said once in pu- I think I said once publicly, like on Tumblr, like I hated Breaking Bad, and like someone literally, literally, like sent me a message about it. Oh, no. like you really have to give it a chance. And I was like, Breaking Bad has stands. Like, what are Dude, you doing? It here? does. I have a I have a really good friend, and she is um I I uh, lightly make fun of her because she's French, and I'm like, you like all these depressing movies. <laughs> That was the most frustrating part of Breaking Bad for me was because I was, like, totally aware of how technically good it was, Yes, you know? Like, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, like, tremendous. This is, like, a tremendous achievement <laughs> in <laughs> in filmmaking. And then I was just like, I do not want to spend another second watching this. But I hate all of them. <laughs> yeah, like, all of these people suck. Yeah. So... Uh, Ozark has a little bit of that problem too, but you do start to sympathize more, like as it as it progresses. Okay. Uh, Jason Bateman is 
<laughs> his character is one of those characters that's sort of if you like look at the big picture you're like wow you're awful yeah but then like in like the little moments you're like okay i guess i mean the, the fact that they made his motivation so like clear from the beginning you know yeah it's more palatable but also the background characters in ozark are a lot better than the main characters so yeah we're 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 watching that right now and i'm i'm liking it more than i thought i would i never watched it because i've i everybody was basically just like oh it's like the netflix breaking bad and i was like no thank you (laughs) (laughs) nope Nope. hard pass yeah as long as you can kind of um cling on to someone's humanity then i feel like i could get through it i that ozark in particular though the the way that they introduced uh laura linney's character Mm. his, his wife like they straight right from the get-go she's awful you know like they there was literally no (laughs) like no like light introduction it was literally just like oh wow she sucks (laughs) (laughs) like wow so that was an interesting choice (laughs) and she's such a likable actress too which so that's an interesting it's really it's jarring right like it's like i hate you but i love you (laughs) Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll check that out. Um, I was gonna do, and I half planned this out so I didn't um, get it ready in time, <laughs> but I was gonna do like, ooh, let's do a mini spring fling. Like, I'll give for the last part of this mm-hmm. podcast, maybe I'll give you two characters and a setting, and you tell me what you think about that. <laughs> or, um, okay. so let's see, I'm trying to think, um. I should have picked these out. So let's do like, um, cause I love pansy. So I always pick pansy. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I wish I, and when I go, I was going to go to your page and, um, just look at the number of characters. Like when you go to the little sort and filter area, but it right. doesn't show everyone because of how rare some of these characters are, but maybe like, <laughs> um, Oh, who's a good one? Like Cormac McLaggen? Is that also oh. hilariously Cormac? Um, oh my gosh, I can't read all the. In chapter three of Over Under, he's at the uh, the summer camp dance, and <laughs> and the ways that Scavier um, <laughs> refer. Let me just because. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, hold on, chapter three. Um, oh, here we go. Because I circled them. Um, you you find out in the, in a few in a, later in the scene that this is Cormac McLaggen, but um, Scabior has showed up to the uh, summer camp dance to woo Draco, whom he has been uh, holding at a arm's length. He refers to Draco's friend Cormac as knockoff Hercules, bargain bin Mark Antony, <laughs> sugar free Zeus, um, factory defective Apollo. This might be my favorite. I'm not sure. Low fat Caesar salad dressing. And there might be one more. Oh. There was more? Uh there was one more, Andrea. Um employee oh, discount wow. Ulysses. And I think I think that's it. Anyway, let's do Pansy and Cormac. Um setting. Oh gosh, what should we do? Um maybe like a maybe like there's I'm just trying to think of um cliche like hallmark movie plot i don't know if that's a good place to start maybe like 
She broke up with her fiance and her. Oh. Uh, she's on a solo honeymoon. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, Pansy. Okay, so Pansy would first of all do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> the trip is booked. It's supposed to exactly. be exactly. <laughs> she didn't pay for it, so she's going. You have to go. Mm-hmm. And Cormac, Cormac could be. I don't know. Maybe he's like the concierge at the resort, Ooh. and he checks her in and like walks her up, and he's like, "This is a a honeymoon." <laughs> is this in Mexico? You think, or like a cruise ship? Where should they go? Uh, it would be funnier if it was a cruise ship because there's nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's just no escape. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And she keeps then like, he, maybe she has dinner by herself and he's also yeah. like at the <laughs> restaurant. The thing about Cormac is that he would absolutely be like one of those, like, uh, you know, like those wedding crasher type of dudes mm-hmm. who just like scope out <laughs> like singles <laughs> events or whatever. And he's like, he's like, I'm in the hospitality industry. It's. <laughs> Maybe you could do even a COVID thing where where the pandemic starts and she's on a cruise ship. <laughs> I'm like stuck. Her vindictive, her vindictive honeymoon crew. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. This is what I love about the spring fling stuff because you you throw around these plots and it just gets more and more ridiculous. They can snowball. They just get. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while they'll stick though you know like yeah it's like oh wait go hit something like oh that's good <laughs> oh my gosh so Cormac, but... the wedding crasher concierge though is actually very good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well if you end up starting that one let me know i'll, yeah. I'll beta it for you <laughs> as little help as i would be oh my gosh <laughs> Well, um, I think we'll wrap it up because it's been almost I've, – I've monopolized your time for almost three hours. Um, can you tell – I need to do better about these outros because like the last – I had these great, amazing – so the Smallville fandom is like 20 years old. I had these right. two authors that were amazing and I think I got so nervous in front of them. My my outro was basically like, um, thank you, bye. <laughs> Well, I should have been like, Andrea, thank you for your time. Um, can, you, can you tell our listeners? Very, very serious and professional. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. But uh, very much. Um, but you have a website where all of your original fiction that's published can be found. Um, is it a uh, – let's see. I have it actually pulled up. You probably know it, but A.A. Anderson or A.A. Dash. Dash Anderson, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's A.A. Dash Anderson. <laughs> I put the dash between the A and the N in Anderson. And uh, actually, I don't know if you're still doing it. I think I'm on your web list for your blog. So I think I get your – or some kind of newsletter maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to do a newsletter and uh, <laughs> it was mostly just kind of like a secret email list, red shit post. <laughs> Yeah, which is great because it's brilliant. It was just like, if you wanna, if you want me to send you some very niche humor uh, every couple of months, but uh, yeah, uh, I stopped doing that once the pandemic started because it was just like 
not that fun anymore. And then I, I, I've thought about like bringing it back just because I do think some people did enjoy it a lot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like super serious. It was really just like all those like shit post drafts and Tumblr that don't get posted. Yeah. <laughs> Well, follow uh, follow Andrea on uh, Tumblr, and she's at Provocative, which I owe every time I try and type it in, I spell provocative differently. But it's uh, two O's, A and an I. Provocative is what I say. Um, And it's it's maybe the most fun Tumblr that I followed, to be completely honest with you. So um, I'll put this all in the uh show notes but please follow andrea on tumblr um yeah anything else you'd like to add before um oh no this was this was super fun uh this was it's always interesting you know talking about writing and the writing process and you know kind of thinking out loud yep so yeah this was this was fun yeah well, thank you so much for being here. And um Good luck maybe, editing this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it'll be great. Um I'm glad I think I managed to talk less because I sometimes I just get so excited that I just start talking over the gas and I'm like, Sarah, you're not Charlie Rose. Um, who also hopefully you're not like uh opening your robe in front of young female interns, but also who used to talk over people, but where was I going with that? But um, yeah, maybe after you, you know, after you publish, um, oh, I'm a little bit drunk. I'm sorry. What's your latest project? <laughs> uh, Sk- um, splintered. Splintered. Yeah. yeah. Ma- maybe if that works out, and then after you publish it, maybe we can get together again or something. I yeah, don't know. definitely. But cool. Fun. Awesome. Well, thank you thanks. for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs>